0: This message was presented at the GYC 2014 conference at the Cross in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Good morning. Happy New Year. Um, glad to see you're here and. We signed a little bit later because I think somebody just told me that they printed the wrong room number, like one and four downstairs, and so I guess you found a way up here, and so I think that is um, my wife just went downstairs to redirect. But um, we can get started. If you have your Bibles, um, opening text is First Timothy chapter five, verse one and two. First Timothy chapter five, verse one and two. And before we begin, um, this announcement, we we actually have handouts for you. And if you haven't had a handout, then if you can raise your hand. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. (laughs) My daughter, the people raising their hand, Anya, could you please hand out the handouts to them, please? Thank you. Okay. She's a little bit slacking back there, so... (laughs) No, no, she was helping with other things. So please raise your hand, and she has a handout for you. Okay. Those coming in, there's a handout. Um, my daughter. Actually, you know, somebody could help hand her out because my wife had to go redirect people downstairs. If someone be willing to help my ten-year-old daughter there and be kind, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, folks, for handing. There's a handout. Um, People are handing it out. Please raise your hand and she can hand it. Maybe. um, Okay, good. Okay, everyone found their way. (laughs) Nice. I thought it would just be my daughter, my wife, and myself, but uh, (laughs) glad you showed up. (laughs) Glad you found your way. Okay, so there's a handout for those who are just arriving. Uh, maybe Anya, you can go to the door so you can catch some new people coming in. So if you, if you need a handout, please raise your hand. And those in the middle right there. And thank you so much for helping hand it out. I appreciate it. anyone else raise your hand really high so you can see anyone else need a handout? okay and for those of you um it's also online and we have signs on the door how to get there oh the hand right there hand out Anya oh it got there very good Anya can stay at the door that'd be really good thank you Anya Anya's my little assistant <laughs> okay great sorry for the confusion um I guess they had a misprint of the room numbers, but uh, we can start now. So turn to me to 1 Timothy in your Bibles, verses, chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. 1 Timothy, chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. And this series is entitled Healing Rain, the Latter Rain for the Soul. And this is a six-part series with different, six different presentations. And it starts and it builds upon, one, upon the other. And this first one I'm going to be presenting is entitled, The Walking Wounded. The Walking Wounded. There are many people today who are walking around wounded. I call them the walking wounded. But when I say walking wounded, I'm not referring to those with physical illness or sickness with wounds on their bodies. What I'm really talking about, I'm referring to those who have been wounded in life through its suffering, through its pain. How? They've been put down as a child. They've been criticized as a teenager. They've been abandoned as a spouse. And these walking wounded I refer to today, which is in reality all of us here today, because You know, the Bible says all have sinned, right? And we look at what we have done to others, right? But we never really hear that, yes, we have sinned toward others and hurt others, but guess what? We have also been sinned against by other people. What do you say, amen? We have also been wounded from their sins in our own selves. And so many people are walking around wounded, and what I realize in my ministry is that most people don't even realize that they're wounded and they're walking around. And so through these presentations, my prayer is that, um, not only that you will experience healing, but that you will also be able to help those who are hurting themselves. Let us pray, Father, as your word is open, help us to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, some of people think, okay, what's the importance of this? I just, last night after the meeting, um, one of my former church members came up and talked to me and. She's a call porter, she mag a book, and she just did big books. And I talked to the leader, the director of the program, and the director of the program told me yesterday that she excelled, like, really high in the program, did the best of anyone else, really, really excelled. And I would never thought she had it in her. And she told me last night, you know, Pastor, the turning point in my life was the time that you asked me to sing for you. She's a beautiful singer. To sing for you at a church, so she went to a church to sing my appeal song. And then I'm normally my church. These um, traveling speaking engagements where I speak on healing, I do anointing service with oil, and anoint with oil and healing, spiritual healing. People think it's physical healing. Physical healing is important, but spiritual healing. So she said it was when um, you made an appeal for healing, and he said I was, and doing a appeal song. She said, I just broke down. I couldn't even hardly finish. And she said, she came to the front for healing. and said, when you prayed for me, I shared it with you, and you gave me some biblical advice, and you prayed for me and anointed me. She said, that was the turning point, point in my life. And I think, um, you know, I've done ministry. I love ministry, evangelism. And my wife, you know, I had the privilege of baptizing her in our first evangelistic meetings, tent meetings. <laughs> See some people that were here with us, you know. And so it was a blessing And I end up marrying my wife, who I'm baptized. So I love evangelism. But sometimes we depend upon methods and methodology and programs to do the work what the heart should be doing. What do you say, amen? And there's power in that. And she said, that was a turning point in my life, she told me last night. And I think we underestimate the need for healing in our lives. What are we called to do in church? We're going a little history right now, so we understand this. First Timothy chapter five, verse one and two. What are we called? It says, "Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a what? Father, Father, and the younger men as what? Brothers. Brothers, The other women as what? Mothers. The younger as what? Sisters with all purity." So, what do you hear? Father, mother, brother, sister. What are you thinking about? What is this family? So the Bible talks about here as a, as a family. So we are called to treat each other as a family, a village, a community. In other words, we are called by God to live in community whether you're at home or whether in the church, wherever you go, God wants us to be a family. What do you say? Amen. Now, you find that in the Godhead lives in family, Father. Interesting that God uses the word term father, right? Son Holy Spirit, community. Even heaven, you cannot get away from community or family. Whether in the home, whether in the church, whether in the, in heaven, it's always going to be community. It's always going to be family. You know, in the days of the patriarchs, patriarchs, you also find that people lived in community with several generations living together. Right? He had not only the children and the parents, but children, parents, grandparents, and great grandparents. Right? So it was community living together. Everyone worked together in tender relations with one another, and they opened up their hearts and shared their affections freely with one another, one another as a community. Now, how did this all change? A small community of believers and in heart relationships with one another, how did this all change? Well, turn to Genesis chapter 10, verse 8. Genesis chapter 10, verse 8. Now, I like to believe that, I don't like to just preach pop psychology. I believe that we should always teach every single thing from the Bible and the Bible only. What do you say, amen? amen? So I'm not going to be teaching you pop psychology, but I pray that the Holy Spirit will use the word and that it will use, and it will must. how Hawaii we call it? Lomi-lomi, massage, with the elbow, so it's a little bit more <laughs> sore, <laughs> but relaxing. It will massage your heart. The Holy Spirit will... Soften your heart so you be open to the seed to be planted. So, Genesis chapter 10, verse 8. What did Nimrod do? But we need to go to the Word. So, Genesis chapter 10, verse 8 in your Bibles. Talking of Nimrod, the Bible says, And Cush began Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the what? Earth. So, Nimrod was a mighty one. So, but the question is, how is he a mighty one? Verse 10 tells us, and it says here, And the beginning of his, Nimrod's kingdom was what? Babel. So Nimrod was mighty in that he began the first kingdom that existed, right? Now, if Nimrod had a kingdom, then that makes him a what? A king, right? So here we have in the Bible The first king that ever existed. And that's why he was a mighty one. And the first one began. or was the first one to be the first king in his world. Now, when Nimrod became a king, the world had all patriarchs. Remember before? Community, closeness, family ties, unity, love. It was very close. And then what happened was, after this, the first kingdom or the first city began back then. Before Niran came along, the authority of rulers had rested upon the community, the village, or the family. And it was the patriarch who disciplined the family with ties of love. You see, there's something different about living in a small community. You know, one of the churches I pastored was a small community. And in this small community, um, we had a school at this time. And there was a young man coming around, and he was being very aggressive in Um, Flirting with our young girls. I'm pretty bold in saying I want to be your boyfriend and just being obnoxious and rude. I think he could just kind of say stuff like that and get away with it. So I came out here, I was kind of talking to him. He was kind of smiling, smirking. And then my wife came. My wife was from that town, and my wife knows everyone in that town. And so she's looking at him and finally she says, Hey, I know you. Aren't you Mary's son? And you know what he did? He kind of cowered, put his head down, turned around, and walked right away. Because there's something there about being known. Like, you know, in the city, people can do, people can do these heinous crimes and wickedness because they're not known. And even the police, you know, we've seen a brutality that's going on across, you know, the United States, in different eras. But, you know, sometimes when they don't know you, they can be very abusive in the cities. That's why all we counsel that we should not be in the cities in the last days. What do you say, huh? amen? You've seen all in the news. That's not God's giving warning signs even now, what's going on. And so I, I see this, and that experience with me, it revealed to me that there's a destruction of family ties. You know, when they discipline in a patriarchal society, it was from the patriarch means father, a fatherly love. And I disciplined my daughter. I don't, not like I don't know her and I hate her, but I, I love her and I want what's best for her. You're not going to see loving discipline from a police officer in a city pulling his gun towards you, right? So you see the change when Nimrod became king and a kingdom and a city and it all happened here. In the Western culture, such as America, the king and kingdom mentality pervades throughout the culture. You see, in the Western society, the focus is on the independent individual. For in the Western culture, the individual's own thoughts in the material world comes first, and the relationships comes last. So, In other words, your material things, your own thoughts, yourself first, and then relationships is next. In other words, get a good job, make a lot of money, get a good degree, right? That's first. And then relationships is second. That is how the Western individualism is. And it's on your handout. It says here, I am myself as I stand apart from you. That is a Western individualism. That's what is the thinking of the United States of America, of the West. Biblical community is opposite. Now, this is foundational so you can understand what is going on here in America. Why is there so much pain and suffering and hurt and, and wounds? Why are there broken homes and broken marriages and broken relationships? I have never seen so many broken homes and broken marriages and people begging for counseling months after they get married. And most people, you know, they say the divorce rate is 50%. That's not even real. Because most people are not even getting married. What are those people living 10 years and get a divorce, or separate from each other? That's not included in statistics in marriage. Those are people who know that they, they know their marriage is not going to work. And that's why they live together. Because they're so afraid and hurt and wounded from all their past that they can't live in good relationships. It's staggering. And I know you know that too. Biblical community is I and myself as I stand in relationship with you. You know, Revelation chapter 13, the prophecy of the second beast of Revelation, right? You have the lamb like beast, the beast representing the United States of America. It looks like a what? Lamb, but it spoke like a what? A lamb. It started off as a lamb. What does a lamb represent in the Bible? Jesus Christ. So this nation was founded upon Christian principles. Started upon like, and the lamb is it big or is it small? It's small, right? So the nation started off small, but the community started off small, small little towns and everything, right? And then after towns, it became into big cities, right? And so how how about a dragon? Is a dragon small or is a dragon large? Large. So prophesied, we would be starting small community and patriarchal towns and everything, and matriarchal towns, and then it goes up larger into a big dragon, big large cities of America today. So we're fulfilling prophecy, and we're following how Nimrod was. And what was the first, what was the first kingdom or city that began? Babel, which was the beginning of what city? Babylon. And it's continued all the way till today. Relationships are very essential to us as humans, for we can't be made whole without them. For we're created for community. This is why we get so deeply hurt when others wound us. We can pretend it doesn't hurt. We can be strong, but it still does hurt us. You know, remember the stories of the research they did about babies? Where they fed them, they clothed them, they gave them baths. They gave them everything they needed to live and survive. But the one thing that they did not give them was love, holding them, cuddling them. And you know what happened to the babies, right, those that took psychology? They all died, right? Horrible experiment. But you can have all the necessities that this this modern world can offer you. You can have everything that modern technology can give you. You can have the nicest home, biggest family, the most degrees, but you don't, do not have love, you're going to die spiritually and emotionally. And you can fool yourself all you want, and others can fool themselves all they want too. But you know it's true, then we all need healing. What do you say? Amen? Amen? And I'm standing here before you because I'm one who needed healing, and I've experienced it, and guess what? Sanctification, and what I say, is the work of a lifetime. So the Holy Spirit searches, search me, O God, and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way within me. He's opening up the dark locked rooms of my heart one by one and sanctification, and he's revealing me new rooms that need to be healed. And new rooms that need to be healed. Listen to this quotation from Testimonies, Volume 3, page 359. It's in your handout. okay hold on yeah I think they're going to edit this so I hope they edit it but yeah they uh, I think they messed up on that they printed it and they brought it up to me so I'm sorry about that well keep that for facing the pain <laughs> but if you're not then hand it up back up in the path back there okay somehow we'll get it to you but those of you have online you can check it online You have, a, you have internet access right now. You can go GYCweb.org. GYCweb.org. And then go to click on conference and click on seminars. Conference on the top right. When you click on, go to GYCweb.org and then click on conference. Then click on seminars. And then go to healing rain, the Ladder rain for the soul. It has all the handouts online. So you can go right now. Uh, those of you may, some of you may not even want handouts. Uh, so... But some of you may want to for future reference. Sorry about that. Yeah. I think they misprinted the wrong room, too, so people are in another location. Huh? Okay. (laughs) Okay, so. um, Thanks for letting me know. Okay, this hat. Those of you online, if you want to share with your neighbor, you know, you can be blessed on this New Year's Day. You can bless them with that. Okay, so it says here, the the Testimonies, Volume 3, page 539, it says, the reason there are so many hard-hearted men and women in the world, the reason why people are stern-looking, not happy, hard-hearted, you ever meet people like that? I've seen them in the mirror a time or two. Is that true affection has been regarded as weakness and has been discouraged and repressed. Does that sound like Western individualism? Affection, relationships, individualism first, yeah? What for me, selfishness really, rather than um, showing love. I did an appeal for healing at this church. And as I did appeal for healing, um, a young man came forward. And he said to me, As I asked him, "What do you want me to pray for?" and he said to me that he wanted to be prayed for for healing because he said he has a problem expressing his feelings and emotions. He said, "I have a hard time. I don't express them to even my own family, my own wife, and my own children, and I know it's hurting them." See, my my father was German. Very stoic. Didn't express or show his expressions at all, of emotions at all. And he said to me that even when you were preaching, I was so excited on the inside. I was so excited. I wanted to just yell and scream, Hallelujah! But he said, I couldn't because I've so repressed my emotions, I couldn't even do that. And I thought, He can't be the only one. There must be other people out there who are kind of falling for the lies of individualism in the United States of America also. Beloved, we need to put our relationships above the material things of this world. What do you say, amen? Amen. Such as careers, our money, our entertainment, and we need to put God and our relationship back as our first priority within our lives. What do you say, amen? That is key. That is primary. Turn to Proverbs 22, verse 6. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. The Bible says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not, what? Depart, Depart from it. Now we look at this text mainly meaning that train up a child, and when he's old, he's not going to depart from him, right? Meaning the good thing, like train him good and they're going to end him good. But we rarely look at it as train a child wrong, and it's going to affect him for the rest of their life, wrong, right? And let me add wound here. In other words, train up a child wrong and being cruel and mean and, and put that child down, and that child be emotionally wounded as a child. And guess what? Train a child being to be emotionally wounded as a child. And guess what? When they are old, they are not going to depart from that either. Is that not true? In fact, where did I get that from? From Testimonies, Volume three, page 539, continue on. It says here, The reason why there are so many hard-hearted men and women in our world is that true affection has been regarded as weakness and has been discouraged and repressed. That's what I shared with you. Then it goes on. It says, the better part of the nature of persons of this class was perverted and dwarfed, was stopped in childhood. In childhood. This is not pop psychology. This is the spirit of prophecy. Childhood. Childhood. I'm gonna share some a lot of stories these next five sessions after this, a lot of stories. Last year, a ninety a woman shared about her ninety-year-old woman who needed healing. Seventy-year-old man came up from an altar call, and he said to me, "My father divorced me when I was five years old." Yes, not only for the young. This is for the old also. We may mature in body, but we have not matured in our soul. You wonder why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, when I was a child, I acted like a child. But when I became an adult, I, Paul, put away childhood things. I healed and moved on but that's what's talking about Paul. What about everyone else? Have we healed and moved on from our childhood? Or are we still living in our past? And our past wounds. You know, there's a famous rhyme, children's rhyme, that says, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will what? That is the biggest rhyming lie I've ever heard in my whole life. That is false education. (laughs) Is that not true? (laughs) Sticks and stones. I'd rather get sticks and stones. The pain I received in my life, I'd rather sticks and stones. I'm sorry, but this world is an evil world. And it's not getting better. This world is getting evil, more evil. 15 years ago when I started pastoring, It was an evil world. But today, I feel sorry for this generation. I thought it was hard when I was growing up. I feel sorry for this generation. And that's why we need people to help our young people. What do you say? Amen? Amen. To show them there's hope and there's healing and there's power in God's love. What do you say? Amen? Amen? A young woman was called names when she was young. And she was told by her mom that She's called names by my mom and told her that she's gonna to go to hell. While well, growing up and being raised up, and she said, "I could never understand what I had done to make my mother hate me so much. I surely could. I surely couldn't be lovable. I saw myself as a complete waste of life. Can you imagine somebody walking around thinking that they are a complete waste of life? I wonder why they commit suicide." What must we do in order to enter the kingdom of heaven? Luke chapter 18, verse 17. Luke chapter 18, verse 17. know what the Bible says? Luke chapter 18, verse 17. The Bible says, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a what? Little child shall in no wise enter therein. So in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, we must first go back to the peace and innocence of a, what? Little child. You see, we must go back to the time before we were abused, before we had any cares, before we had any suffering. And in order to do that, we must first lay our hurts and abuses that we have received in life at the foot of the cross. What do you say, Amen. I love to watch my daughter play. She's so innocent. She has such peace and happiness and joy. And I think about how when I was a child and I had all, no cares of this world, you know, all the burdens of this life that all life entails comes along in, in life. And especially being a minister in these last days, it took its heavy toll upon me. You know, I, I've been ill for the last 15 months on medical disability, and yesterday was my last day on medical disability. Today is my first day I'm not on medical disability. And yeah, what a happy new year, yeah? Well, thank you. What a blessing. But you know, those have been the best years of my life this past year, actually. God's taught me many lessons. I'll be sharing that with you. But the burdens of life, it wears you. It wears you down. And the stresses and the, and the burdens and the hurts of other people, it, it can wear you. It can drain you. And so unless you fully are pacing yourself and have the love of God, we're not going to make it in this world. And we all need God's love. I want God's love in my heart. How about you, huh? Amen? Amen? Turn to Psalm 16, verse 11. Psalm 16, verse 11. Psalms chapter 16, verse 11. What will happen to those who have the presence of God in their lives? The Bible says, Thou hast shown me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of, what does it say? What does it say? Joy. joy. So when we're in the presence of God, and God's presence is in our lives, in my heart, in your heart, that means that we should have what? Fullness of joy. We should have, be full of joy. Ah, my life today, page 161 says, those who in everything make God first and last and best are the happiest people in the world. What do you say? Amen. So in other words, the reason why we're not happy is because we haven't truly experienced God's presence in our hearts somehow, for some reason or the other, right? True? So that's something to think about as we go through this this seminar together. Could it be possible that there are still wounds from our past which we have never healed from? a young mother came up to me crying and she said to me, I am so critical towards my family and I don't want to be negative towards my family anymore. I want to heal. Up to this point, she did not even realize or even understand the word healing. But after the presentation, she realized, I need healing. Beloved, do you need healing today? Is my question turn to isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 isaiah 53 verse 5 and this is kind of the theme of my presentation isaiah 53 verse 5 the bible says but he was wounded who's this talking about jesus he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement or punishment of our peace was upon him. And his last phrase I want us to focus on. And with his stripes oh, by his wounds, we are what? Healed. Healed. Now, wounds. Where was Jesus wounded? On what? On the cross. So by the cross, we are what? Healed. Healed. Okay? What does the cross reveal? That God so loved the world that he gave, right? The cross, there's no place in the Bible or in history or anywhere else that so clearly reveals the love of God as the cross of Calvary. What do you say? Amen? Anyway, the love of God is most concentrated at the cross of Calvary. You know, when they asked me to speak this seminar at GYC, and when I found out the theme of this year, I'm like, wow. That's powerful. I love present truth. But the without the love, I can share all the needs of your healing and everything else. Thank you. Thank you. I think they found it. Could, we're, we're, that's okay. We're done. It's almost done. So we'll do it after. So I can share all the needs of how you need to be healed and people need to be healed, and you see it. But you know what? You're most miserable if you realize your need, but you don't experience the power that gives you for experiencing healing huh what do you say amen the power is in the love god's love and that's why the cross offers that it offers forgiveness and healing of our sins. in other words the cross heals us from sins the cross not only heals us of our sins forgives us and heals of our sins of what we've done to our others but guess what by his wounds we are healed in other words the cross also forgives, helps us to forgive others, but also heals us from being wounded by the sins of others towards us. What do you say, amen? It goes both ways. Yes, it forgives me. We always focus on, I hear like, like almost 100%, 99%. You know, go to the cross. God's love forgives me for what, my sins so I can be saved, right? That's good. But rarely do you hear, well, the cross not only does that, but the cross also heals me and you from being wounded from the wounds of those who have sinned against you and me. What do you say? Amen? And what's at the cross? God's love. God's love at the cross is powerful, and it can heal you and me. Going on in that quotation, unless rays of divine light can melt away the coldness and hard-hearted selfishness, the happiness of such is buried forever. Beloved, the only way for hard-hearted hearts to be melted is for us to see the rays of divine light that reveals God's love for us. In other words, we need to see God's love for you and me. What do you say, amen? Amen. Jackie was a girl who grew up where her father sexually abused her. After she left home, She became a Christian and eventually was able to come to the point of forgiving her father. But one day, her father came to visit her and then raped her again. And this she spiraled into a deep depression. She felt she was worthless and no good because of how her father had treated her. But one day she went to church and was told to look at the cross. It was at the cross she saw God's love for her. It was at the cross that she rejected the lies to reject her own worthlessness. It was at the cross that she believed the truth that she was in fact loved and worthwhile. It was at the cross that her claws of despair finally began to disappear. You see, beloved, how much is God worth? How much do you think God is worth, by the way? In reality, how much is God worth in this universe? Well, the Bible says that he is the chiefest of ten thousands. In other words, is not God extremely valuable? True, right? Amen? Can you put a number of value on God? It's worth. How about $10 trillion? Is that the price of God? You see, the cross reveals to us just how much we are worth to God. For even though God is extremely valuable, He is still willing to give up His extremely valuable life for you and me. In other words, God loves you on the cross. You know what the cross reveals? God loves you more than He loves Himself. What do you say? Amen? You see, in eyes of God, you are worth more than divinity. What do you say? Amen? You are worth to God more than God Himself. And that is how much you are worth to God. Struggling with self-worth? How much you're worth? You've been put down your whole life. People mistreat you and you look down at yourself as being worthless. You see, beloved, it doesn't really matter what others say how much you are worth, but what God says you're worth. What do you say? Amen? Not only that, but you are priceless and God actually proved that you are priceless by dying on the cross. There's a saying that says, actions speak louder than words what do you say amen and you know it could have been powerful and God could have said you know what I love you and you're worth more than anything in this world and you're so priceless to me in fact you're worth more to me than even my own life it, you know it wouldn't be powerful God would have said to us but you know what in our minds because people say all kinds of stuff to us and they actually lie and they actually deceive us right to me I'd be like yeah right God you don't you know, I mean you don't really love me but guess what actions speak louder than words you know what it means to me God had to come to this earth, and he had to die on the cross in action. Not in his mouth, in his words, but in his action, he had to prove by his action that you are worth to God more than God himself, that you are precious in his sight. You are special in his sight. And God wants to use you, and he's going to use you in your healing, and he's going to use your healing experience. And like the Bible says, you are to comfort others with the same comfort as you have received yourself. In other words, you have to help others to experience healing, but the same healing that you have received in your own life. What do you say? Amen? God does not want you to hoard your healing. He wants you to take that healing, and that love that you are precious, you are special, He's going to use that, and that love is going to heal your broken wounds. I pray this will be a healing journey for you. We serve a wonderful God who loves us and longs for us to be healed. I want to be healed from my past wounds so I can be restored back into the image of God. How about you? What do you say? Amen? If you'd like to be healed back into the image of God. Will you raise your hand with me this morning? Amen. Father, we thank you for the healing power of love and as we realize and see our need for healing as the walking wounded. Please reveal to us your character of love as revealed on the cross. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I don't know what time the next session was to start. Does anyone know? Oh, okay, hold on. We got five minutes, okay? I think, no? Okay, five minutes. Okay, so wait. so before you leave, I want to do something real fast. me hand out these handouts, please. And I want you to pick a group. And here's a, here's a discussion group. And then we're going to have five minutes, okay? I just want to hear. Um, and here's a question. You can already start your group already because we only got five minutes. So I'm going to read this to you. And then please pick about five to seven people or three to five to seven. And then just um, kind of discuss this question. Here's a question. Now, you're giving Biblical advice, you're not giving counseling, okay, but you're just giving Biblical biblical advice. So Sharon and Matt are seeing each other, and they're having problems. It seems that Sharon has very low self-worth. Life has not been too kind to her, and while growing up, her mom would constantly put her down and tell her how worthless she was. This has affected their relationship in that Sharon has a tendency to put down Matt, her boyfriend, whenever she feels worthless just so that she can feel better about herself. Matt and Sharon had come to you for help. How do you help Sharon to see a different picture of how much she is worth? Okay, look on top of your, uh, your phone, smartphones and go on the internet, the handout's there, and we're handing out right here. But you can please break into groups really quick, okay, and just go anywhere, whatever size, three to seven, and just kind of discuss this question. Just kind of talk to each other um, what you'd like to do. Go ahead. And if you need to leave, you can go too. And we start the session, the next session at 10 o'clock in 15 minutes. Okay, go ahead. But we, I think of what I've seen is these discussion groups, I've seen the most changes in people from the discuss, discussion groups. Um, so even if you don't have to talk, you can just listen, but you can break into groups at this time. Go ahead. Okay. They're handing out the handouts now. Um, but it says Sharon and Matt are seeing each other and they're having problems. It seems that Sharon has a very low self-worth. Life has not been too kind to her, and while growing up, her mom would constantly put her down and tell her how worthless she was. This has affected their relationship in that Sharon has a tendency to put Matt down whenever she feels worthless, just so that she can feel better about herself. Matt and Sharon have come to you for help. How do you help Sharon to see a different picture of how much she is worth? Go ahead, go and talk. Okay, it's, you can continue on, but it's break time, so we are allowed a um, distractions, so next time we have more time. This message was recorded at the GYC 2014 conference at The Cross in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.